Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit shapebyfaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. My guest today is Pastor... Sowersby, and he has been married to his wonderful wife, Jennifer, for 18 years, and he's a father of four children. Mark has been an ordained minister with the Assembly of God for over 25 years and is currently the pastor of Calvary Community Church in central Massachusetts. In 2019, Pastor Mark went through a time of great healing, and he began speaking about the experiences of his past and God's grace and the transformational work of forgiveness in his life. He now speaks about his story through his ministry and his book, Forgiving the Nightmare. Welcome to Shape by Faith, Pastor Mark. Thank you for having me today. It's an honor to be with you and to be with your audience. It's a blessing. Thanks again for allowing me to share my testimony. Absolutely. It is a powerful testimony. Um, I do not think I have read anyone's testimony quite like yours, and wow, um, and the power of forgiveness. I mean, when I was reading your book, it it got real emotional for me, you know, just seeing you as a child and and the abuse and the pain that you endured, and um, I could not imagine, although, you know, we each have experienced our own stories and our own share of pain. but the good news is you've been rescued and restored through Christ from your abuser and your past abuse and your pain. So I really wanted our listeners to hear your story. I, I feel like um, the topic is very timely and it needs to be talked about. So why don't you start at the beginning? Well, thank you. Again, my story is a story of redemption, of hope, but it has its ugly side too. I think that's many of our stories. We all have our trauma and we all have our pain. Uh, When I was seven years old, my mother married a man who was 20 years her younger, and that man came into our home, and he abused me in every way, shape, and form. He abused me emotionally, verbally, sexually, physically. I was the target of his uh, depravity. I was the target of his uh, pain and sorrow of his own deceptions, and I was the one he focused that pain on most. From the ages of seven to 14, I was molested daily, sold to others, stabbed, burnt. And he stole from me not only a pound of flesh, if you would, but he also stole from me my dignity, my self-respect, my value, and left me insecure and fearful for many years of my life. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, as you're talking, Mark, it's just unbelievable what you had to endure and go through. And, you know, when you think about that, if you really think about it, um, from this side of your story, you know, I, I can't imagine a person actually being like that to a child. You know, you, you, you kind of think of someone that's possessed or they're like a monster and they're not in their right mind. Um, wow. Okay. So as you unfold your story, um, let, let's jump ahead. Sure. Um, tell us about the time you were invited to church by a lifeguard and how this invitation was your turning point. 
Oscar at 14 years old, the physical abuse stopped, but you can imagine that the, the pain that echoed inside my mind and my spirit and just trying to figure out who I was. I was a kid. I was 16. I was, I was just trying to figure out which way life went up and down. So at 16 years old, we lived in an apartment complex and there was a pool there and this lifeguard, she was a beautiful young lady. She was my peer and she invited me to go to church. I would have went anywhere she invited me to go. (laughs) (laughs) And and her and her boyfriend came and picked me up at church that night. And I I came to that church service and it was like nothing I ever experienced before. There was... Uh, there were music was different and the sound was different and the way the pastor talked was different and I could understand it. And there I found acceptance and I found real people. I didn't find perfect people. I didn't find people that didn't have their mistakes, but I found real people. I found a place of hope. I found a place of salvation and a sanctuary. And one of those nights, somebody asked me, Mark, do you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? I'd come to know that a prayer that night was called the sinner's prayer. And I would pray that prayer and ask the Lord to come into my heart. I wish I could tell you that moment on, everything was perfect, roses and cherries. But really, that's just the beginning of the story, which I call forgiving the nightmare. Absolutely. Wow, that was powerful in itself. Um, Mark, had you been to church before then? I mean, she invited you to church. Um, Had you experienced it before? You know, not truly. We were kind of a religious family. We knew God was there and Jesus was his son. And, you know, you love God and you do good things. But we didn't under, I didn't understand about salvation. We weren't attenders. We didn't go. Uh, some of my siblings had my older brother had an experience uh, in Texas, came back fire and brimstone kind of preacher and left back to Texas as soon as he got home. So, you know, there was a little bit of it in the air, but I was so lost in my own pain that I didn't really understand it until I heard a clear gospel message from a youth pastor. Now it was the 80s. So we all mm-hmm. had mullets. We were cool. Jean <laughs> jackets. So, but you know, it was uh it was a uh, it was really a personal time for me to kind of grow and find out that God loved me. And I asked Christ into my heart. And again, that's when the journey began. Now you were um you were given a ride home. That's also as I was reading your book, it's part of your story, um, by one of the students in your youth group. Um, and you know, there was something about that also that helped change your life. Do you want to share yes. that story? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That ride home, that young man, uh, you know, he was cool because he had a car and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he asked me uh, before I got out of the car, I'm sure it took him all the courage in the world to ask it to appear. But he looked at me, he said, Mark, do you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And there we prayed in the front seat of his car. And that was the first time I recognized the Lord as God, as Savior. Again, I was young. I probably didn't understand the depth of what I was committing to or the prayer I had, but God did. And he loved me through and he's led me on it. And that journey has been the the, the most important thing I've done in my life. Uh, accepting Christ has helped me become a father and a husband, a friend and a pastor and helped me forgive those who trespass against me. The journey wasn't easy. It came it came with tears. It came with struggling. I had to submit. I had to surrender. There was days that it was one step forward and two steps back. There were good days and bad days. But because of that prayer, because of Jesus' love for me, the grace of God, the faith in God, and Christ became my Savior, it has changed my life forever. That is beautiful. Um, Mark, when you were accepted into that youth group, you know, because kids can be mean. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, You know, they accepted you, though, into the youth group. And 
for the first time you felt like you belonged. I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, had you felt like that up to that period of time in your no, life? I, I never really did because one of the scars, if you would, one of the emotional scars was that all those years of abuse left me numb. Oh, sure. I felt anger and sadness. I desired revenge. I was confused. All the things, all the gamut of emotions and experiences that would one would have that's been abused. But really, at the end of the day, to sum up how I felt was just numb. So when I went to that youth group and they accepted me, and I'll never forget, there's a mountain in our area. If you're up here in New England, it's called Mount Manadna. And it's kind of like the rite of passage is that every group from any kind of organization climbs it. It's one of the most climbed mountains in the country because of uh, the population here in New England. Well, they were climbing Mount Monadnock. And I'll never forget a Saturday morning where I heard cars. And in my head, it had to be a thousand cars. There was probably more like five, but in my mind, it was thousands. And they honked their horns and they called me down. And they said, Mark, we want you to come hiking for, with us. And I remember I didn't have the shoes. I didn't have the right clothes. I didn't have any money. But it didn't matter. They took care of me. They let me borrow things. They bought me lunch. They, they, they went out of their way for me. And it was the first time I felt that, that a group of my peers took a five minutes, 10 minutes to turn the corner and come and get me. And I'll never forget feeling accepted and feeling wanted. And that truly changed my life. Wow. You know, when you, and you think about that, and that's what Jesus does for each one of us. He absolutely does that. He goes out of our way to meet us right where we're at. And uh, that was his plan. He, He knew you were going to accept him into your life and say yes. And he knew your story and he knew you were going to share it just like you're doing right now um, for his glory and to help other people as well. Um, Let's take a quick break here because I want to hear definitely. And so do our listeners more of your story. So everyone stay tuned for more Shape by Faith. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. My guest, Pastor Sowersby, am I saying that correct, Mark? You are, but you can just call me Mark or <laughs> just Pastor call you Mark. Mark. Pastor Mark. Marky, if you want, whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm telling you what, your story as you unfold it, oh my goodness gracious. Um, I cannot wait to hear the rest of your story. It's amazing how you were you were sharing how the youth group took you in and and they went out of their way for you. I love that. That's just beautiful. Um, in your book, you quote Robert Frost in his poem that's called The Road Not Taken. So what was it about this poem that spoke to you? Well, if I'm being completely honest with you, I didn't know I was quoting Robert Frost as a young man. Obviously, I learned it as an older man, but as a young man, I was quoting Larry Norman. And in one of the songs that Larry Norman sings, he says, there are two roads converge in the middle of our life, and I took the one less traveled by. I came to find out later on uh, what that quote was uh, tethered to or attached to, that it wasn't Larry's Norman's, that it was Frost. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was quoting to because my Walkman, now we're going back to the 80s. Oh, yeah. My red Walkman became the pulpit in my ear. I had 
Petcher on, I had Carmen on, <laughs> I had the Resban on, I had Larry Norman on. I mean, these were all sanctioned rock and roll we could listen to back in those days. So I didn't know until years later uh, that who I was quoting. But the truth still is the truth. And it is that choosing the higher road, choosing the path less taken, knowing that many are called, but few are chosen. And I really believe that's where God has called me to walk in a in a life to serve him, a life that's not perfect or easy, that does not have its struggles or desires, and it doesn't have its tears or it doesn't have its joys. It's a real life that I lay out before God and say, Lord, you have your way. I try to live a life of obedience. I try to live a life of sacrifice. And in my journey, I learned to and humbly say like Paul, pick up my cross. I try to crucify and tame that old man every day. Well, I can hear the passion in your voice. I mean, it's, it's coming through loud and clear. And, you know, the joy of the Lord definitely is your strength. And God has strengthened you in every way. You have such an incredible story. Um, and we're going to get to forgiveness because that is one big deal. But I do want to hear, when did you hear God call you to become a pastor? I mean, that's incredible in itself. Yeah, there's a whole story in there we could probably spend a long time on. I'm a dyslexic. So not only was I being abused at home, but I was also dealing with some educational issues. I was the kid on the small bus. I believe, you know, the special ed student. I had an IEP plan. I believe that's what they call it in education or something of that sort. Uh, but... You know, so my education lacked. So I was very afraid of academia and reading to me is still something I do out of discipline, not out of joy. Mm -hmm. So when God called me to Bible college, I was afraid and said, Lord, how can I go to school? I can't be a student. Uh, the Lord would pour out his spirit upon me and I ran from it for a long time. And one day he said, I want you to go to the school called Zion. And I said, God, I don't want to go there. <laughs> But, you know, God usually wins. And as I was in front of the dean, I thought I'd get that familiar answer I got from any, every other educator that I needed more help, that my transcripts weren't ready for college. The dean looked at my transcript, got up from his desk, asked me if I had a call. I said yes. And at that moment, he introduced me to a woman. It was her first week there. And she was sent by God to start a learning center. Uh, she became my teacher, my friend, my coach my mother she hugged me and kicked me at the same time if you know what i mean mm -hmm. and she really was a blessing and because of her sacrifice i was her first student in that learning center and today i'm a proud graduate of zion bible college now known now known as uh north north boy i'm now known as I'm um, sorry, I'm forgetting. That's okay. Is it North Point Bible North College? North Point Bible College. Yes, I apologize. Don't no apologies necessary. I mean, you're wow. I mean, just sharing what you're sharing is amazing. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of this: all things are possible with God to those who love God. That's what Amen. I'm thinking the whole Amen. time you're sharing that all things are possible and look what he's done for you. And he does that for us. And he does that for anyone who calls on his name, who trusts him, who's obedient to him and who has a desire just to live his will. Um, okay. So I, I want to jump to weight. Okay. In your book, you talk about struggling with weight your whole life. Yes. And you also mentioned some of the reasons that might've caused, caused this. So why don't you talk about that? 
Well, first of all, I'm still struggling. I wish I could tell you I have had all the victory. There are good days and bad days. I've lost hundreds of pounds, and I've probably gained hundreds of pounds. It's been a fight for me, and today as I speak to you, that struggle is still in front of me. I like cheesecake. So, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> amen. But I'll tell you, I think why I started on this, when, when I started on this journey, it was really a health journey. I was about ready to turn 50 years old. I have four kids. The doctor said, you're pre-diabetic. And I thought, wow, Lord, I, I don't want to go that way. And so I said, Lord, help me help me get healthy and, and when i said that god i was thinking help me lose some weight mm-hmm. but god went deeper and he started to show me some of the reasons why i ate and i think because food always accepted me food was my reward or my punishment food hey i had a good day let me get a piece of pie oh i had a bad day nobody loves me i'm going to eat a piece of pie so it was always there it didn't reject me it didn't abuse me it didn't judge me it was just familiar it tastes good and i got into a bad habit um it was a habit i was taught by my mother's family and and you know we're all eaters and there was always a bread or cookies on the table so some bad habits uh, also some insecurities and fears drew me to uh, to eat more than I should in wrestling with my my slow slow metabolism I think I look I gain weight when I look at it you know I look at it in the calories <laughs> Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, people will say that as well. Yeah. But, you know, I had to learn to get healthier and I had to make some hard choices. I had to learn to say no. I had to get up and get on the treadmill. And boy, I, everything inside me said don't. But, you know, I dropped over 100 pounds and I'm feeling better. I can see my feet, you know, with high feet. So, <laughs> but I think really as the Lord started to help me get on a health journey physically, it started to raise up some of the insecurities and fears that were there emotionally, too. That's good. So as you began losing weight, Mark, did you change your outlook on life or, you know, I know it helps us feel better physically, but what did it do for your uh, mental well, of course, all those things were great. I felt better, healthier. I could buy nicer clothes and you know, I felt confident. But really what it started to help me do is that I could trust. The only way I could get up and get on that treadmill, the only way I could hike those mountains, the only way I was I had to rely 100% on Christ. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the motivation left to myself. Boy, I would have never done it. But it was, Lord, I need your help today. I need you today. So I think in the journey, journey of getting healthier helped me again learn to trust in God even deeper. That's good. Now, were you on this weight loss journey when you were ordained um, a pastor, when you were first ordained? Well, I would say that all my life I've been on one form of a weight loss journey or another, but this particular one was a bit deeper because I realized how much I had to lose. I was ordained in my early 30s, my early, late 20s, early 30s, and yes, I wanted to get healthy, but you know, with four children in front of you, a marriage, a ministry, and the doctor says, hey, you might have to take a needle every day. I- I'm afraid of needles. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take one every day. And, you know, uh, so so I think there was a different motivation at this point than any other time in my life. Right. Okay, we're going to take another quick break right here. And when we come back, um, Mark, I want you to um, talk about forgiveness. I think that's that's going to be really special. So we'll be right back with more Shape by Faith. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. 
If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Well, Pastor Mark, you have an incredible story, and now we're going to get into the highlight of your story um, about forgiveness. And we all know forgiveness is not always an easy thing to do, especially if you've been abused and mistreated. So how did God help you in the process of forgiving your abuser and your family? Well, I think that like many Christians, we know the scriptures that speak about forgiveness and our responsibility to forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. And those scriptures really echoed in my heart and my life. And, and I used to wrestle with them all the time saying, Lord, how, how can I forgive such a deep trauma that somebody stole so much from me? Lord, I'm not just talking a simple that somebody cut me off on the highway or somebody got in line in front of me at the store. These are life altering decisions that happened to me, Lord, choices that other people... But I was always haunted by that and really kind of avoided some of those scriptures because I just wasn't there. And then the Lord started to quicken my heart and he started to bring me down this journey and had me look soberly at what forgiveness was. I grew up in the church and from 16 on and, and I heard the tales about forgive and forget, let go, uh, reconcile, make sure it's all over. You know, that's really not what forgiveness is. Uh, forgiveness is not forgive and forget. I know God forgives our sins as far as from the east as from the west and praise the Lord. But when somebody ravishes your life with abuse, you can't forget that. You, you'd, you'd be intellectually lying to yourself if you thought you could. So I would say that I, can't, I, didn't, I didn't forgive and forget, but I could still forgive. And the past doesn't have to identify me. In my forgiveness, my past does not have to be my, my future. The sums of my hurt does not have to be the hope of my tomorrow. So first I had to forgive and learn what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean I let my attacker or those off the hook. Forgiveness for me is daily. You know, Jesus said in his prayer, give us this daily bread and help us forgive those who trespass against us. I believe that's all connected. Daily, we're forgiving. Forgiveness doesn't mean um, that I want to have reconciliation. I think reconciliation and forgiveness is two separate things. So there's all these facets about what real biblical forgiveness is. The church is great at preaching forgiveness as it should, because Christ has forgiven us. But sometimes between us, we have to go through sometimes clinical or uh, counseling to help us go through those different aspects and deep forgiveness. And we do it because God's called us to do it. So forgiveness uh, for me was cutting uh, the, the, the bonds that my abuser uh, had on me. It was severing the, the lines that the abuser still echoed in my mind years later. So as I forgave those, I and by forgiving them doesn't mean, again, I want to have a, a Christmas morning with them. I put them into Christ's perfect grace. God is a good God. He's an honest God. He's a just God. And he will deal with those in a just, loving way as he will deal with me. So my forgiveness is saying, Lord, those who hurt me, those who warn me, I look for no uh, revenge. I look for no answer. I just say, God, I put it in your hands. And in you, I find peace. A lot of people say, well, how can you do that? You know, and there was the, I asked the hard questions. Lord, where were you? If you're a loving God, why did this happen? Of course, I asked all those questions. And I tell people all the time, when you ask God hard questions, sometimes you get hard answers. And I got those answers. And But God 
is there and forgiveness to me is a constant. It's always before me and it's always saying, God, be in front of me. Today, your mercies are made new every day. That is so good. Um, gosh, um, that is compelling. And I love the way you explain forgiveness. I really do. You don't hear that explanation. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, in your book, you talk about different trail markers, and I think these are important. So um, what are some of those? Well, let me just give you the image of trail markers in my book. I like to hike. I lost a lot of weight, and I can climb mountains now. But when you're climbing a mountain, you have to follow the trail markers, or you get lost, easily lost. And I don't want to be lost overnight in the woods. I, a bear would eat me for dinner. I know it. So, uh, so you have to follow these trail markers to keep you on the trail, keep you on the path, keep you going the right way. So I, I put some things in my book that I say, these are the things that help me stay on my path. Um, they may help others. They're there to reflect, to think, to ponder. But for me, it's to be in prayer. And I like to be, as Smigglesworth once said, I pray, I, I never pray more than five minutes, but I never, I never go more than five minutes without praying. I like to be a person <laughs> in prayer all the time. Uh, I like to be in his word. And even though reading is still a challenge for me, Lord, help me read a piece of scripture. Help me find a nugget every day in your word. So I like being in the word and I like to pray. I like to have friends around me, those kind of friends that can say, hey, bro, you need to take that. You know, real friends, not, not people that are judging you or, or want something from you, but friends that are birthed in adversity, those kind of friends. I also, uh, you know, want to be honest with myself. Uh, not everything that happened in my life, I believe it or not, not everything that happened in my life is because I was abused. My foot fits perfectly in my mouth. And sometimes <laughs> I just made mistakes. And some of the other things I had to come to realize is that I had a chip on my shoulder. Oh, my flesh in this world told me everybody owes me something. I had the right to do and say because I was abused, my body was raped, I was sold, and I guess they call that trafficking uh, today. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to me. And the Lord, by his grace and mercy, uh, took that chip off my shoulder. You know, I think a lot of times in the book of Genesis, we find Jacob, and Jacob there is wrestling with an angel all night long. And to the, to the point where the angel touches his hip and, and pulls it out of its socket. And finally, the angel says, let me go because it's almost daybreak. But Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And then the angel says to him, what's your name? Now, the name Jacob in the Bible means deceiver. And he had to yell out deceiver. He had to say, my name's deceiver, liar, cheat. And the angel said to him, that's no longer your name. Your name is Israel, which in the NIV says, because you wrestled with God and man, you've become an overcomer. And I think in a lot of ways, I carried a title and a name that the enemy tried to put on me, victim, broken, abused, insecure, frightened, messed up, lonely. But that was never the name God had for me. And just like Jacob, I had to wrestle with my past. And guess what? There was some bumps and scrapes, and I still sometimes walk with a limp. But my name is no longer victim. My name is victorious in Jesus. Amen. Wow. You must be a pastor. I'm oh. just kidding. <laughs> Wait, I'll take um. an offering and then you'll know. Right? <laughs> um, our time is up and I have so enjoyed um, hearing your story unfold. You are just filled with the joy of the Lord. Where can we find your book? Well, you can find it a couple of places. First, you can go to our website at forgivingthenightmare.com forgivingthenightmare.com. You can also go to Amazon and check us out there. Our book's on Amazon Books, Forgiving the Nightmare. And I'm on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can check us out there.
Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Do you mind um, closing us in prayer? I would be honored to. Father God, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord God, that leaves the 99 to go get the one. And I pray today, Lord God, as we spoke, if, if my testimony pierced the heart, the ears, the minds of those that are listening today, may they know they're not alone, that they have a merciful God that loves them. Father, I pray that the fear and the shame of hurts do not get louder than the grace and the mercy of God. Father, I pray those that, that feel a twinge in their heart, may they reach out to someone they could trust, a coach, a friend, a pastor, a leader. Father, somebody they can come beside and say, help me in my journey. Lord, set the captive free and may your grace pour deeply upon us all today. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And um, like I said, it, it was such a joy to listen to you and, and you share your story and that you are victorious. And thank you, listeners. I'm Teresa Rowe. Everyone have a blessed day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit shapebyfaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more. From the Cabinet Doors and More studio. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at Shopify.com slash records.